Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Well, hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. Ah, what is this? This is page 151. Uh, let me look. Let me look. Hold on. Uh, and I want to make sure I got my numbers right. Okay. I'm going to start right here on page 151. I think I finished up everything on 149. And I'm going to jump over to 151. I pray that you watch some of those videos. If you have an opportunity, go on YouTube or on the website um, that's posted there on page 150. And look at those videos. Uh, the videos are really, really good. And it's, if it's something that you're taking seriously, um, it's just going to give you more information. Um, facing Issues and Questions, Chapter 22. Let's pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and praise you and bless your name for being such an awesome God. We pray, oh God, that you will give us revelation, knowledge, and allow the light bulb to come on in our lives and that we will begin to walk according to your word, your will, and your way. We're thanking you, oh God, for giving us this opportunity to study your word. And now, God, we pray that your will would be done tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Facing issues and questions. Now, tonight we're going to move relatively quickly. God willing, we are going to finish uh, chapter 22. So we're going to move relatively quickly, and I'm just highlighting, and I'm highlighting because when you have a text like uh, 2 Timothy 2.23, where the Bible clearly states <clears throat> But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife. So these things, these issues, these questions are not really pertaining primarily to what we're dealing with in the, um, in the, in the deliverance. Uh, it is going to touch on some things that I believe are important. So in each little area, I'm just going to highlight uh, a portion of it. Now, uh, when it pertains to this, this area, it says here, first paragraph, there are some questions for which no complete answer can be found. So you got so many differences of opinions. So right now what we're going to do is, again, just highlight and try to bring out the important portions of this particular um, chapter, Okay. Aren't we less effective than Jesus? That's number one. Aren't we less uh, effective as, than Jesus? And primarily on page 151, it's a matter of faith. That's at the bottom there. It's a matter of faith. And when it pertains to you being effective, uh, one thing that we're pushing right now at Mount Enon is that your faith be increased. In order to, excuse me, in order to be effective, You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. Let me say yes, ma'am. And I hope I have this open. Should be open. Hold on. Let me go to the lines and make sure that I'm uh, unmute for just a second. Amen. I think we've got everybody. Somebody somebody just say amen or something to make sure that's on there. I'm getting Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure I'm getting text messages if we're having Bible study, so I wanted to make sure that you were able to hear me. Okay. Now, 
when it pertains to your level of faith. See, that's why we push. Read the Bible, understand the Bible, and understand that everything you operate in is on how much you believe. If you don't believe, listen, you're not walking on any water. If you don't believe, you're not casting out any demons. Why? Because they recognize your inability to operate in faith. So faith actually moves in the spirit realm, all right? So, and it's not a presumptuous faith at the top of page uh, 152. You Listen, this is thing that you've got to really operate in and that you've got to have confidence in how you're operating in the things of God. Ye, 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 hold on a second again. Yes, I am. Looks like everybody else is there. Somebody's having problems getting on. Amen. Just give me a second. Let's see if it if it opens up for them. Okay. So where spiritual battles formerly require hours, they now require minutes when you're operating in faith. I'm talking when you really got strong faith, when you really, your confidence, your faith is what you trust. Your faith is your confidence. Your faith is, listen, I believe this word. And when you operate that way, I'm telling you, you're going to see by leaps and bounds, you're going to move in the spirit. Okay. Now, at the bottom of page, uh, page 152, it, it references a scripture, Mark 1, 32. I'm sorry, Mark 1, 23, that's a little dyslexics, dyslexics going on, and number 26. And then it says, let us remain open to spiritual teaching. Undoubtedly, the problem lies with man and not with God. When it comes to, again, us being effective, and when it comes to us being as effective as Jesus, it's a matter of faith. Now, if you look at the top of page 153, how can a Christian have demons? How can a Christian have demons? And I know what to do. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord just gave me what to do. Let me see if I can do this just really quickly. If I have not deleted that text, I think I did. Yep, I think I did, so I will not be able to forward that. Okay. All right. I was trying to help somebody to get online. Hold on. Nope. That that one either. Okay. We're gonna to have to keep it moving. How can a how can a Christian have a demon? How can demon spirits indwell the same body at the same time as the Holy Spirit does? And that's again, I've I've said this throughout the years. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Spirit starts evicting different attributes, different characteristics, different uh, um, habits that you have. You'll find that when I got saved, there were some things that, again, I just stopped doing. I was able to do it as soon as I got saved. There are some things, and again, I believe it's demon influence, that do not leave as easy. See, there's a difference between soul and spirit. New Testament word for spirit is pneuma. And the spirit is that part of the man which has the ability to do what? Grasp and perceive divine things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it talks about man receiving not the things of the Spirit of God. See, that natural man cannot receive those things of God. That's why, again, folks can sit in service and not get anything out of it. Then other folks sat in the same service, and they got a whole lot out of it. It's because, again, when you try to receive things from the natural man, it ain't happening. Okay? So your body is made up of spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. So what we're looking at when it comes to your spirit man and then your 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 spirit man is where God lives, where it says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's your spirit man. However, you also have a soulish body, and you also have the um, your, your soulish body, and then your body, your fleshly body. And 
That's where the warring is going on because your soul and your fleshly body is not giving up. So you've got to saturate yourself in the spirit of God. Now, the Bible talks about us being dead in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, dead in trespasses and sins. Now, again, that's dealing with your soul and your body, not your spirit, man, once you become saved. He is dead spiritually when you have not accepted Christ. He has no communication with God when you're not saved. No perception of divine mysteries in the spirit realm. The new birth, the salvation, remedies the condition of the man's spirit. His spirit is quickened. His spirit is made alive. So that's what, again, when it comes to uh, Christians having demons, yes, it can still exist. Why? Because that body and that, what is it called? The body and the soul still interact in that spiritual realm that deal with demons. All right. Another scripture to, scripture to reference is First John chapter five, verse eleven and twelve. Flip over to top page one fifty four. That was First uh, John chapter five, verse eleven and twelve. Now, when we look at the top of page one fifty four, you start talking again about the demon spirits are confined to what soul and body. They are confined to that area. They cannot deal in the spirit of a man when he is saved. It says here, demons afflict the emotions, the mind, and the will, and the physical body, not the spirit of the Christian. So that's where our confidence is. And this is the understanding, again, that gives you great confidence when it comes to being in deliverance ministry. You have got to be in a position where if if you're dealing with, with demons, that you're confident, hey, I'm not shaking. If I make a mistake, if I slip and sin, I'm not shaking in my spirit man because my spirit man is owned by God. So I'm still confident in the spirit. I've got some cleaning up to do in the soul and in the body. Now turn quickly to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, and I'm going to look at it in the Bible hub. Let's go Philippians, all right, chapter, what is that, 2, and we're going to look at 12 and 13, and I cannot do both, so I'm going to do 12 first. And what this says is, this is the process that we've got to go through. The Bible talks about, and I'm going to look at it in the NLT, New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, you always follow my instructions. When I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, there's another translation, and I very rarely use this one, but this one is Aramaic in plain English. Aramaic in plain, plain English. Watch this. It says, therefore, beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not when I am near to you only, but now when I am far from you, all the more, with awe and with trembling, do the service of your life. Do the service of your life. Now, again, when it comes to you being saved, but then there is a walk with God until the day he calls you home, that there must be some activities that's going on that causes you to draw closer and closer to him. God is at work in us. But salvation spoken of is not complete. It needs to be done with what? Worked out. And that's what the scripture references. It needs to be worked out. So, again, your salvation is not complete. You are working out your salvation when it pertains to the different things you go 
go through. Deliverance from, and this is the way the uh, uh, on page 154, it says, deliverance from the molestation of the enemy. Jesus has delivered our spirit from the power of Satan. Now he says to us, work out your own deliverance from the molestation of the enemy until you have freed both soul and body. Now you get to a point, and I'm telling you, this is the victory that you we strive for, is that we work out this salvation to the point where, no, you're not practicing sin anymore. No, you're not tempted. The temptation does not have the strength that it used to have on you because why? You have gotten again, and I've talked about this, holy habits to a point where you work that thing out. All right? Now, number three says, can a non-Christian be delivered? Can a non-Christian be delivered? Demons must obey. If, if you're exercising them, the authority in Jesus' name, they've got to obey. But do not doubt that demons would respond, and we don't doubt that demons would respond and obey. The key is, first, what hope would there be of keeping a demon out? That's number one. What hope would we have of keeping that demon out, knowing that this person is not saved? And there must be an element of that person resisting. See, I say it often, when you're ready to resist, when you're ready to identify that this is an issue, this is a concern, this is a stronghold in my life, and if you're ready to admit that, if you're ready to resist that, then it's time to move forward. But if you're not ready to resist, it's not time to move forward. Why? Because the demon is not going to go very far. The habit, the situation, the concern, it's not going very far. Number two, it says, that according to the scripture, you could do him more harm than good. Why? Because Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45, it talks about when it's, that spirit is cast out and it has no place to go, it starts to wander in, in these desert places, and then it's coming back. Well, if this person is an unbeliever and they're not filling that void, when it comes back with those spirits that's more wicked than, it, than himself, then guess what? You've just set that person up for failure. All right? I see no ground for administering deliverance to an unbeliever other than a direct word from the Lord. So the case here is if God said, listen, cast that demon out. For whatever reason, yes, to do it then. But the key is, if there's no direct request from God, then guess what? You need to leave that person alone because you're going to set them up for failure. And watch this. The motive for them being delivered, it says here, could not be to the glory of God. Now, the key is, would they have at their heart, the business of doing God's will. That's, that's really the key when it comes to what is their motive. Is it to be, you know what, when I get delivered, when I get free, my goal is to do God's will. It's not, can the Christian, it says here, the question then is not, can a non-Christian be delivered, but should they be delivered? All right? Look at this scripture real quick. Philippians, and I'm going to go to the next one. Wow, that's good. That was on both of them, and I didn't do 13. I got 12, but I'm going to do 13 now. Philippians 2 and then 13. Philippians 2, 13, and I'm just waiting for the Bible hub to flip over. Now, here, watch this. It says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So that's when we start dealing with why is this person being delivered? Because the key is when you are a believer, you know that you have been brought with a price by Jesus Christ and his blood now purchased you. I'm his, he's my master. He's my Lord. So my goal is to 
for Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, to take root in me, it is God's will. That's my aim, to let God use me to his glory. It is his will. See, it says, to, it's God who works in you to will, let me, and let me get that in the King James, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay, so that, again, is the purpose for the believer. Now, what happens, number four, what happens when a demon, to demons that are cast out? And that's where we run into that text where uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, the Bible does not have an abundance to say on this subject. And in Matthew uh, 12 and 43, and I'm going to look at that in the Bible Gateway, Matthew 12 and 43. And it's, and it's highlighted there, too, in the book where it talks about there in the unclean, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. So, again, it kind of gives us, uh, uh, a picture of what happens when, when a demon spirit is cast out. Perhaps the word words are intended as figurative, thus a picture of demons walking or roaming in a place apart from human habitation. So when the demon is cast out, it says what happens? Well, when he casts out, guess what? He's got nowhere to go. So he's wandering. And this is, again, what makes demons resist being cast out. And I'm just looking here. Doo -doo -doo -doo. Now, if you can, again, you can, Job chapter 30, in Job chapter 30, verse 3 through 8, you can read that. And, again, it talks about the barren grounds that demons walk through. All right? Moving on to number five. Number five says, can we tell demons where to go? Can we tell demons where to go? Now, I'm pausing just for a second to show again, with these kind of questioning, you've got to be very, very aware, alert, and leery at times with certain folks asking certain questions. When, again, it has no point of helping, maturing, Knowledge that's going to be used for ministry, where it's just questioning for the sake of questioning. And that's where we get back to our, our initial uh, scripture, where in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, knowing that, this, that these questionings, but foolish and unlearned questionings, avoid. So that's why, again, I'm just briefly going over there. I'm taking this class period, this session, just to briefly go over these, but not to really dig into them in any great detail. Why? Because some of them, where do we go with it? Okay? Can we tell demons where to go? Let me make sure. Amen. So if you don't have a book... Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's in the book, Pigs in the Parlor. It's in the book, Pigs in the Parlor, A Practical Guide for Deliverance, Frank and Ida Mae Hammond. So this list of questions are in pay, uh, chapter 22 in that book. And if we hook up, I think we may just have one more. Amen. I'm answering some questions. I see it pop up. Okay. So, Question number five. Now, because I've seen that question, I'm going to do, 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 do. I'm going to try to make sure that I, I read each one because we've got a total of eight. It says here, can we tell demons where to go? Now, primarily, Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, Matthew chapter 8, 29, it says, we have what we have, we what have we, thank you, Jesus, what have we to do with thee? Jesus, thou son, son of God, art thou cometh hither to torment us 
before the time. Now, again, it gives you the understanding that demons know their plight. Now, when you enter, and again, that's why I say it's a matter of faith, they recognize and they know, they communicate that who you are and how you operate. And when they recognize that you have authority, then guess what? They're going to respond. And it's going to, you know, very rarely have we seen in settings demons actually talking out of a person. A person's mouth is not moving. Sometimes their mouth will move, but they will move with um, a different voice. But to hear a demon speak, um, to hear a demon speak and then not to see that person's mouth move, that would be a whole different experience. Here, again, demons are talking to Jesus and identifying that they know their plight and the, his authority to cast them out. In Mark chapter 5, verse number 10, Mark chapter 5, verse number 10, it says, And he, legions, besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. So, again, it starts to deal with our ability to be able to cast a demon out and to dictate where that demon goes. Now, one of the things that I'm really pushing at this point is that believers get to a point where they really, not for any shape, form, or fashion, where they really want to mimic Jesus. And Jesus's statement at all time, was that he wanted to do the will of the Father. Even at the point of crucifixion when he said, not my will, but thy will be done, I'd like to do this a different way. Is there a way that this cup could pass from me? But no, not my will, thy will be done. So at all times, his posture was, what does God say? Can we tell demons where to go? Yes, you can. However, the true believer is hinged is connected strongly to what does God say, okay? Legion spirits resisted being cast out since the demons were allowed allowed and sh a sure place to go. They would not put up resistance, and this is dealing with the, the demons that were cast out of the gathering and requesting to be cast into the, the swine. Demons prefer to indwell in humans, but they also will indwell animals. And again, when we see different things acted out by animals, we start to understand different characteristics of people's personalities when we've already dealt with schizophrenia, and then even animals. You say, man, that animal acts weird. Man, that cat acts weird, or that dog acts weird. Again, demons can actually, as we saw in the pigs, can be in animals. All right? Question number six. Now, for latecomers, I'm going to review Um. Aren't we less effective than Jesus? Again, that's a matter of faith. That's number one. Aren't we less effective than Jesus? Number two, how can a Christian have demons? That's where we deal with the spirit, soul, and body. That's number two. How can a Christian have demons? That's spirit, soul, and body. Uh, the demon is not dealing living or dwelling in the spirit, but he deals in the soulish and in the body, the fleshly body, okay? Number three, can a non-Christian be delivered? Yes, but we are, again, why would a non-Christian want to be delivered? Because once they deliver, you just, if you were the, the conduit for them being delivered, why would they be delivered? not having holy habits, not having a relationship with God, not being born again, for them to get delivered would set them up for failure because, again, the demons return. And when they return, if that house is not filled, then guess what? They've got some trouble on their hands. Number four, what happens to demons that are cast out? They wander. 
Number five, can you tell demons where to go? Yes, you can. However, you want to be obedient to the will of God. Now, number six, it says here, can we forbid demons to re-enter a person? Can we forbid demons to re-enter a person? Can we forbid them, tell them they cannot re-enter this person? Now, in Mark chapter 9, verse 25, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. Now, again, anytime we see what Jesus does, you remember this. One, you're a Christian, so you're Christ-like. You operate the way Jesus operated. The next portion of that is, Jesus said, it is my meat to do the will of him that sent me. I saw so many scriptures today that, again, dealt with the will of God, the will of God, the name of God, the, the glory for the glory of God. So when we operate Everything you do, whether it's casting out, whether it's forbidden, whether it is uh, to give the demon a destination, it's, do you have the confidence, this is what God is telling me to do? That's when you really can operate in power. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 and 45, 43 to 45, demons will attempt to return and will succeed in doing so unless the delivered person does what is necessary to keep them out. And that's, again, when we dealt with pulling a demon or casting a demon out of an unsaved person and like, in like manner here, forbidding them to return, that person has a, a, a part to play in filling this vessel. And this is why I say take your medicine every day. Stay in this word every day. Let me tell you something. I don't care who you are, uh, if you're in ministry, if you're over ministry, uh, how long you've been in ministry, listen, if you are not up on your exercise, and I'm talking your spiritual exercise, if you're not lifting your spiritual weight, and when I say spiritual weight, that's operating in the things of God. When those opportunities arrive, if you're not doing this on a regular, the enemy will come in and trick you into, and listen, again, it's not force you. It's not taking power over you. He will trick you into going right back into some old habits. If there is a portion where, again, somebody is supposed to have authority in your life and they're supposed to be assisting you and it, their faith is weak. It talks here about helping their unbelief, and that's where many of us are. Uh, again, prayerfully, we can admit to the point where, where we say, you know what, I am not strong in that area. Lord, help my unbelief. And that's that, that portion where we talk about being rededicated and week by week, Lord, I'm still getting stronger and stronger, and I thank you, but I'm not still where I want to be. And if you're not there, then that's where you come in with those statements, help my unbelief, strengthen me. God is able, watch this, to limit Satan's power against a person. Satan had to go get permission from God before he could go against, um, before he could come against Job. In Job chapter 2, verse number 6, Job chapter 2, verse number 6, it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. So when it comes to a person going through, and many times what we want to do is jump to their aid, and we want to cast out, and we want to uh, uh, promote some type of significant change in their life that's going to, again, gratify us. It's going to satisfy what we desire for them. But is it in God's will? As I look back over my life and as I look back over the life of family members and I see different troubles and trials that they go through, and, and, and at some point, you know, I would deal with that in the spirit if I had the power. However, as you mature, you find out that even when you have the power, you're still under the subjection of what God's will is for that person's life. 
Thy will be done is where we're supposed to be. The last paragraph in that area, it says, if God, through the word of knowledge, shows that a demon is prohibited from ever indwelling a person again, one can say to that demon, upon the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, enter no more into him. Upon the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's when you start to operate. This is where God has shown you, guess what? It's a word of knowledge. When you receive a word of knowledge, then you feel confident. Guess what? Demon, I rebuke you. I cast you out. And upon the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, enter no more into him. Again, I love these phrases when they're in here for us to be able, again, to operate in the authority that God has given us. And in this point, you want to also be obedient to the voice of God. Amen. Number seven. Number seven. It says here, should houses be cleansed of evil spirit? Should houses be cleansed of evil spirits? Sinful activity on the part of former residents, account for some houses needing to be cleansed because of what was going on. Thank God for the sanctifying of, of, of the building that we worship in being a crack house prior to us converting it to Christ's house. It's, it's, it's a house where we worship Christ. Again, you start to dedicate that home to the glory of God and to pray over and to sanctify Again, you can go into some folks' houses at the bottom of page 158 and see that there are books that can be in those houses that, again, and, I, and there was one book in my house that I had to get rid of, and that was the um, Jehovah Witness Bible. Again, Jehovah Witness is known to be a cult. And when it is a cult, I was going to use it to cross-reference and again, to be able to see what's in it that I might dialogue effectively concerning how they believe and how we believe. But you've got to understand, when you bring that paraphernalia, those books, those materials into your house, that's attached to that spirit. And if you find out that, again, your spirit is discomforted for whatever reason, and in some of the examples here, a person couldn't sleep, go to find out. They've got a big old stuffed frog in there, or they've got an owl. Uh, what was it? A little owl image that glowed in the dark. Those are the kind of things that, again, when you feel that, hey, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm making strides towards uh, being totally committed in the things of God, but I'm still having these hindrances. Start to research your home. And to see, is there something in my house that's causing my spirit to be uncomfortable? All right? It says here, we command all demons hidden in the room to leave immediately in the name of Jesus. And plead the covering of the blood of Jesus over this young lady. Now, those are, again, some of the things that you do around your house. Walk through the house with your oil. Walk through your house with your prayer partner. And you claim this house for God. I've even known folks to open doors and to cast demons out. You have no place here. When I'm doing a dedication of a home, I start at the top of that home in the furthest corner from the door and in every windowsill, I'm praying and pleading the blood of Jesus, and I'm walking through that home all the way out to the door. And then at the door, everything that's been attached, every evil spirit, everything that's been invited in, everything that is, has invaded in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. And with confidence, I believe that that house is now cleansed, swept clean, of every deep demonic spirit. All right? It says here, 
Again, you can start to identify Deuteronomy chapter 14, 7 through 19. Some folks, again, they don't want to believe. You know, frogs and owls, and I've, I've got owls around the house, or I've got these frogs around the house, but if your spirit is uncomfortable and you've got these items, let me tell you something. You've got to start to read and to see if not just, again, every frog image or every owl image, but was this frog or was this owl image used in some type of ritual, especially something you picked up at the flea market or the thrift store, the Goodwill? Where did this owl come from? Where did this frog come from? And in this particular example that he deals with, again, these items you don't know. Now, and, and when you see the word abominable, dealing with the things uh, or, or the items that you may get, let me tell you something. When it's abominable to God, you definitely want to deal with it. This is especially true of owls and frogs. It is, it is more than coincidental that both of these are creatures of darkness, they come out at night, and they hunt their prey. Now, again, I know it's Old Testament. You've got to, again, is your spirit comfortable? If your spirit is not comfortable, you've got to start researching the reason why it is not comfortable. All right. At the bottom here, it says, the home was filled with many objects that did, I'm sorry, that had been brought from the mission field of Africa. Now, in this particular one, in that third paragraph on page 159, there was a witch, a witch's mask. Now, when it comes to uh, witch doctors, when it comes to witchcraft and things of that nature, You've got to be very, very careful the items that you have in your household. And, again, I, I, I love the word. It says try the spirit, by the spirit. If you see your spirit is not comfortable, then you start researching the different things that you have in your house that possibly has the door wide open for demonic spirits. Some, and I love this. It says sometimes the economics or sentimental value of such objects mean more to the person than the welfare of their family. I said, good God almighty. Sometimes a person is so attached to the things that guess what? They'll put their family and their own spiritual health in jeopardy because this thing, I paid money for this, or this thing has sentimental value to me. Listen, it says here uh, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, 25 and 26 in the Amplified Version, it talked about, listen, burn this stuff with fire. Don't desire it uh, like silver or gold. Don't take it for yourself. It is an abomination to the Lord your God. You'll bring, listen, an abominable or an idol into your house. Don't bring this stuff in your house lest you, watch this, be ensnared by it. I, no, that's not my opinion. That's the word. you got to read it. Read it in different translations so you can understand it. Sit down and pray. The Bible said don't bring this stuff in your house, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. When you bring another man's God I don't care if you recognize it or not. If this is a God to someone else, you bring it into your house. Listen, you're opening the door for evil spirits to come in. So you've got to understand that. Demons are definitely attra attracted to a house by objects and literature that pertain to false religion, cults, occults, cults, or cults, the occult, and spiritualism. It says here, these things ought to be burned, destroyed. Houses 
or buildings which are suspect of demon infestation should be cleansed by the authority of the name of Jesus. Stand on the provisions of the what? The blood of Christ. Now, that's, to, to me, that's powerful. This is what's got to happen in your household in order for you to operate. See, again, when your spirit is not right, when you recognize something is wrong, when we see blemishes, you know, in our, in our faith, you know, you're working with that thing. You got a cold sore. I need some cold sore. I need some medicine. I've got a pimple. I got to go get some pimple medicine. Why? Because I got this scar. I need something that can remove scars. Well, in your spirit, man, you've got to be attentive to your spirit. And if your spirit is uncomfortable, you've got to start researching. All right, enough said. Let's move on. Last one. Number eight. I'm going to back up real quick just in case somebody needs it. Number five, can we tell demons where to go? And you've got to understand, follow Jesus. You never heard Jesus telling demons to go to hell. I'd casting them into the lake of fire. You didn't hear it. So you want to mimic Jesus. All right? Can we forbid demons to re-enter a person? Now, again, it has been done, but you want to be in tune with the voice of God. That's number six. Can we forbid demons to re-enter a person? Number seven, should houses be cleansed of evil spirits? And I'm saying yes, but again, make sure that you don't have material. Um, and matter of fact, I got some more books that I got to go through because I got a ton of books, some more books that I got to go through and make sure that it wasn't a book on the occult, a book about cults, a book about demon spirits. Because again, you want to make sure, my, I want my spirit, listen, wide open when it comes to the spirit of God flowing through me, you want to be available to him unhindered by evil spirits. Is it necessary, number eight, did I do number seven? Number seven, should the house be cleansed? Okay, cool. And then number eight, is it necessary to call demons out by specific names? Is it necessary? Such a deliverance can continue for an hour without any specific spirits being called for. You don't call for any particular spirit. And again, when we start to name it, in other situations, when you begin to name uh, uh, spirits again, and, in, and then in others, there's no specific spirit named. It says here, in other situations, the very opposite is true. No demon will come out until it is called by name. Some demons, you can just say evil spirit, demonic spirit. I cast you out in Jesus' name. Some spirits are stubborn spirits, and they will not come out unless you call them by name. If it's a spirit, you call it out spirit of rejection, and here the example says this was a spirit Fear of rejection did not move until you call it by name. And this is where we have got to be sensitive. See, when it becomes a show or when it becomes fanfare, because I've got this great anointing upon my life to cast out demons, and then it's fanfare, then you cannot be it messes with your sensitivity to the voice of God, which is telling you, or to be able to discern. See, if you don't have that discerning spirit, yes, you have the ability. Yes, you know that you have the authority to uh, call them out in Jesus' name and to plead the blood of Jesus. However, you've got to have that discerning spirit. It didn't move, and guess what? God gave you the answer if your ear was open. It says here, demons will usually respond to a description of what they are causing. So, again, spirit of pain. Spirit of, listen, anger. See, if they're causing anger, and you can call them a spirit of anger, I call you out in the name of Jesus, and I cast you out. I bind you in the name Lord Jesus. 
again, that kind of thing, sometimes you'll have that example where the spirit will actually respond to what it causes in that person. So is it necessary to call them by by name? No, you can actually call demon spirits by what they cause. You can run into some that are stubborn and will not move. They won't budge until you call them by name. When any of the demons try to come back, it is important to know which ones were cast out. So when you start to call them out by name, then you can document, or at least that person can know, that guess what? I felt a, I'm telling you, my spirit just felt different. As soon as you called out that spirit of anger, my spirit man felt different than before when you went, before you said anything, and as soon as you said that spirit of anger, then guess what? My, my whole spirit felt different. When that happens, now that spirit person knows. When you called out the spirit of anger, let me tell you something. Something left my body. Now you better understand the spirit of anger is going to come back. When it comes back, it's coming back with, with, with uh, help. Okay? So that's our mode where we are. We have gone through every last one of, of what we call the issues. And in those particular issues, there, there are questions. And, and primarily when it comes to us being effective, you cannot allow yourself. And, and again, that's the reason I did not want to spend a whole lot of time dealing with uh, the different issues because you've got to be able to discern. You know something? Whether I'm effective or not as Jesus, yes, the question may come up. Uh, in your private contemplation, but the key is you've got to know that when those questions comes up among believers, wh what is perpetuating these questions, these issues? So, and and I and I thank God for the way they dealt with it. This uh, dealing with number one could have taken a a whole chapter just dealing with the effectiveness of Jesus and then going back and dealing with the effectiveness of the disciples. But as you see, they were very, very brief with it. Why? Because you don't want to get into spending too much time. This is a time for you to be on doing warfare. This is a time for you to be praying. This is a time for you to be casting out. And here it is. I'm spending time. It's like Nehemiah when he was up on the wall and he's working. Here's Sam Balak and Tobiah, and they want to ask him questions. Come down. We've got questions for you. He says, hold on a second. I ain't got time for that. I'm busy. I'm building the wall. This is what God called me to do. This is what God has provided. So here it is, you spending time sitting down talking about uh, uh, genealogies and things of those natures or, or talking about the power of Jesus opposed to your power, and, and it's folks that need to, salvation. There's folks that need deliverance. There's folks that need to be taught, and, and you're going back and forth on questions. How can a Christian have a demon? And we sit now having a long uh, dialogue about a Christian and having a demon. When you start to understand your spirit man, your soulish man, and then your physical fleshly body, then you understand the warfare that you're in. And you got to understand that for the believer, that's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved under God. Mm. See, you got to chew on that one. Let that be a Selah moment. Show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's when, uh, if you're going to take this word in, you know how to say if you're going to take medicine, uh, take it with water. Some medicine, they say take it with food. Well, you take this word with prayer. When you read your word, listen, you got to ask God for discern. You got to ask God to break this word down. Amen. Hold on. I'm sorry, I got to respond to this. Oh, okay, never mind. Let's just say amen. Amen. Okay. So you have got to get to the point. You have got to get to the point where again, I know my spirit man. 
and my spirit man is healthy. My spirit man is being fed daily. My spirit man enjoys my prayer and praise and worship time. My spirit man is getting stronger day by day. My soulish man, and again, I'm going to flip real quick. Uh, if you go to the Mount Enon Facebook page, there was posted on there a, um, let me see if this, is this moving? Okay, let's say Facebook. On the Facebook page, there is a diagram of the spirit, soul, and body. And we're going to close out um, talking about this particular area because this is the understanding that believers has got to have when it comes to you being effective in the spirit realm and knowing that your spirit man, listen, your spirit man can be uh, malnutritioned. And in the body, when it comes to your nerves, your brain, uh, your organs, cells, your senses, you know, touch, taste, feel, your, your, your fleshly man, again, is highly sensitive to the enemy, is highly sensitive to things of this world. Your soulish man, again, they're where you start to, your reasoning, your will, your thinking, your beliefs, that again can be affected very heavily by the, the things of this world, the things of darkness. Your spirit man is a thing that belongs to God. So again, I love the diagram that's there because the spirit man is at the center but it's still wrapped in this body. So you're starting to talk about your functions and your personalities and things of that nature. Listen, all of that's got to be brought under subjection of the Word of God. And this is why, again, if you're taking in this Word every day, if you're spending dedicated time, purposeful time with God, let me tell you something, your soul and your body will start to, again, like a remote control, be controlled by your spirit man. And that's when I believe that your antenna is up the most when, again, you are stretching forth those hands towards God. You're worshiping and praising God and staying in a right relationship with him pertaining to the things of God, what he told you to do. See, that's why I love the, the, the vision of Mount Enon, the lost souls saved. If, if lost souls being saved is your goal, then let me tell you something. You're not going to get caught up in any type of materialism. You're not going to start running after uh, naming and claiming when it comes to get-rich-quick schemes. When your mind is set on, listen, my goal is to see that souls are being saved. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse number 30, and then in Matthew 18 and 11, it talks about the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. So when that is your goal, let me tell you something. From the core, it starts to permeate. From the core, it starts to radiate out of you. But if you've got more concerns, if you've got more habits that deals more with your soulish man and your body, dealing again with your conscience, your will, and your will is not subject to the will of God, then let me tell you something. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard for you to get breakthrough. So, again, thank God for that. Uh, God willing, we're going to move on to uh, Chapter 23 on next week, the final conflict. We're going to touch on some of those, and that may just be it for the year. I'm, I'm, I'm still reviewing these reflections and and I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to highlight anything out of there unless the Lord says different. But the 23rd chapter, the final conflict, we're going to touch on that, God willing, next week. And matter of fact, let me go ahead and put my note in the book so I know we did make it 12. And that's going to be uh, da 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 da. Today's the 14th. That'll be the 20. That'll be the 21st. One, two, two, one. All right? So next week we'll pick up there, God willing. We'll pick up there on the final conflict. And um, 
God willing, that may just be it for the year. Unless the Lord tells says different, uh, I think we're going to be off on the 28th. We're going to be off on the 28th, but on the 29th, you know, we've got prayer. We've got the closeout year and, and preparing for the new year. On the 29th, we've got prayer at the church, 329 34th Street. We're going to be in prayer from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock. If you can come down for an hour, could we pray for just one hour? If you want to go for the whole three, it's an awesome, awesome time. And thank God for being able to, where two or three are gathered, we got two or three folks that really love the Lord and really know the Lord and really know the power of prayer. Listen, things will change when we yield our voice to the will of God. God, use us in prayer. Let's close out. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and praise you. We bless your name for being such an awesome God. We thank you, O oh God, for delivering us and giving us great and awesome power in the spirit. We operate right now in the will of God, and we pray, O oh God, let that will be done. In the lives of those who are on this call, God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will fulfill every word spoken for their lives from the beginning of time even up until now. Every demon that's supposed to be cast out in the name of Jesus, we war against it. Every freedom that they're supposed to operate in, we pray in the name of Jesus that they operate in it and that they bring your name much glory. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, saints of God, and God willing, I'll talk to you next week. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 